and welcome to episode number 183 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week of the NFL season by Stephen Andrus, Brad Allen. You can follow them on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL, at Stephen Andrus One. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. Guys, um, I'll go ahead and just full transparency. If uh, you were listening to the pod last week, you know. It was a bloodbath for me this past week and week two. Um, I will sit here in full transparency whenever we lose, and I lost. It was not a great week two for me. So everything that I won in week one pretty much gave back there in week two. Brad, how did uh, how did week two treat you this uh, in the NFL? Uh, very much the same. I think. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the worst weeks I can remember. I barely won a bet. It was it was awful. <laughs> Uh, very humbling and uh, you know obviously mm-hmm. you, get, you get people on the Twitter machine going have you ever won a bet in your life so yes yeah, so <laughs> it was a good fun Monday morning but um, you know we, we we work hard we, uh, yeah. we go through it and we, we try and get it back yep same with me I mean listen you know it was a it was a, a stellar week one that literally the sports books got every dollar back in week two from me so we're basically starting over here in week three Stephen how was uh, week two for you well, first of all, fire Urban Meyer into the sun moving forward now. I mean, we talked last week about how much I'm on an island betting on the Jaguars last week, and it backfired as most of the other people on this pod expected. But, uh, you know, that happens sometimes when you play a number. But other than that, um, you know, hit, hit Bears minus one and a half, hits 49ers minus three. I uh, was happy with those, hit a nice little teaser on the. Uh, uh, the Bengals and the Eagles, which I got to be honest, I backdoored the hell out of that one. So a double uh, backdoor. That was a double backdoor right there. Oh yeah, both, I mean that was like a quadruple. To bring it in. I mean the yeah. Bengals needed like multiple fourth quarter touchdowns to have a shot at that, and they somehow got to the the teaser number. So hey, we'll take it. We will. All right. So let's uh, let's get things going here, guys. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit that uh, subscribe button down there. We really do appreciate you uh, doing that. And if you're listening over on podcast, we also do this on video. So head over to the YouTube page and go ahead and subscribe and you can see our well, me and Steven's very average faces and Brad's very gorgeous face to go along with that. Uh, go along with that. It's accent really not fair that he's got the British accent and the, the charming, devilish, handsome, good looks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I and we got no shot here, man. We, we don't. Yeah, we don't I, have any. The, the accent's a myth. Like, you know, everyone's told, oh, you go to America, they all love the accent over there. It's never worked for me. So oh, maybe, well. that's, maybe that's just me. Maybe hey. that's just I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, well, next time you're in Vegas, my friend, I will uh, I'll, I'll definitely show you a good time there. All right, so let's kick things off here with the Bears and the Browns. I have a bet on this. Steven has a bet on this. So let's go ahead and kind of assess the big news here, which, of course, is the fact that because of the injury to Andy Dalton, who, by the way, is still the starter, according to Matt Nagy. Oh we're going God. to get we are going to get Justin Fields this week for the Bears. And what we got in this shocked the hell out of me, guys. Um, the news came out and the line went the other way. I thought for sure a rookie quarterback making his first start in the NFL on the road at the Browns would certainly move this line or at least stay the static. Instead, it moved against the Browns and towards the Bears so much so that as we sit right now, it is below the seven over at DraftKings. It's sitting at six and a half. This thing has moved a full point in favor of the uh, in favor of the Bears in this thing. I mean, listen, the the Browns are dealing with some injury stuff on their offensive line. Several guys list with injury designations here on that offensive line. 
But man, I am uh, I am pretty shocked that this thing moved the way that it did. Brad, I, I, I don't am I am I crazy here or do you think that this is, you know, people were so incredibly down on Andy Dalton that it doesn't even matter that it's a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road against one of the better defenses in the league? Um, I, I would have said the general perception is that Fields is the better player, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, did, what, do you, what, do you, what do you what do you think? No, yeah, I definitely do, but I guess it's just the situation, right, of getting kind of tossed in. It wasn't even a, oh, okay, we're turning to you to be our starter. It's the, you have to start because Andy Dalton is going to uh, be out with injury. And, oh, by the way, when he gets healthy, he's still our starter and on the road at the Browns. I don't know. I guess just the the full point, the move through the seven actually is 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 actually pretty shocking to me. But again, maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm just off base here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is Dalton being washed, and then you, mm. you've got a guy with sort of all the physical tools, right? You know, he runs was it four four, maybe maybe even quicker. Yeah. He, he's got a huge arm, so I think if you if you're thinking about just a one game and who gives you a better chance to beat the Browns, I, I would say it's it's Justin Fields because we know Dalton's ceiling. Um, I would say I, I've not got bet on the game a because you know I don't really know what to expect from Fields in mm. a in an NFL setting, but also I think. Brown's offensive line injuries. I mean, I think if they're healthy, well, you know, that's this is one to monitor. If they are healthy, then I think they can they can pass all over the, the Bears defensive backs. Um, because the Bears are kind of twenty-third in PFF coverage grade. So if the Browns can protect, then uh, I think they'll get theirs. And then I'm not sure Fields will be protected. Um, you know, Bears very weak on the offensive line, and then you've got Miles Garrett, um, Jadavian Clowney going at you. So Fields could be running for his life, um, and and again we, we don't know how that will go because some, sometimes mm-hmm. you want you want the the mobile quarterback who can get away from it and uncork one downfield to Darnell Mooney, or he could get caught doing too much and get sacked four times and, and fumble it a couple of times. So for me, a, a lot of uncertainty. So I, um, Stephen, you and I are simpatico here on one of the bets. You have the Browns on a teaser leg. I have the Browns in a teaser leg. Who knew? I thought I was going to get way the best of the number here. I have them down to a point and a half. That little did I know if I'd have sat around, I'd have got a better number on this Browns team. That is tied into the Thursday night game. Um, for me, you have it paired up with a different game. I do uh, have it paired up I, I with the Buffalo game. So we'll get to Buffalo in a little bit and tell you why I like that as a teaser leg. But just with the Cleveland Browns here, the other thing that I'm I'm watching closely too, and I am with you, Matt. I am surprised it moved through the seven. Uh, this was a look ahead line of eight and a half uh, before we heard about the Fields news for sure. So Jarvis Landry on IR also hurts the Browns offense, but... According to their head coach, Odell Beckham, it was a full go in practice. He was a full participant on Wednesday. He was a little vague about whether he would play when asked about it, which is to be expected of players at times. So I would be surprised at this point if he doesn't play, considering he's full participant in practice at this point. I don't Mm -hmm. expect him to play all of the snaps, but uh, I I would be hesitant to to back the Browns straight up against the spread if they would have been down Landry and Beckham. Plus, you get the rushing upside of fields on the other side for Chicago uh, seven would have been a lot in that situation. But if you get Beckham back on the field, they have some really athletic pass catching tight ends and Austin Hooper and David and Joku, obviously one of, if not the best backfields in the league. So 
Baker Mayfield full participant in practice with the left non-throwing shoulder injury. I think it's a really good setup for a teaser leg. So I, I'm okay with the teaser leg. I am still hesitant here on on the spread with the with the unknown and the upside of Justin Fields. Yeah, so teaser leg for me. I also am on the under 46 here, guys. And listen, I typically, everything I do is typically on, you know, numbers-based stuff. And there is at least a little bit of numbers to kind of back up why I would be on the under 46 of here. The the, the Bears have operated the 11th slowest situation neutral pace so far uh, over the course of the season. The Bears games also averaging the fourth fewest combined plays. The Browns are averaging the third fewest combined plays in the short season here through the two games. Cleveland already, who is, runs a slow delivery deliberate offense as it is anyway already leads the league in situation neutral run rate because they want to use those two backs that's why you get a guy like Chubb and pair him up with Hunt because they want to run the ball that's what they want to do they are 31st in situation neutral pace as well so if you want to go statistical wise that's another reason why I'm on the under also I'm taking a ride down narrative street right here and a guy like Matt Nagy seems like a guy to me that wants to protect a guy like Justin Fields. And I can see them not running hurry up stuff, taking their time, running the ball maybe more than they should, trying not to put him in situations to fail because they didn't want to start him this week. They wanted to start him next week against the Lions. It was that was the plan all along, and they got forced into having to start him this week because they didn't want to kill his confidence on the road against one of the better defenses, especially one of the better pass rushes, as Brad mentioned, in the league with that defensive line for Cleveland. And so I am going ahead and taking kind of a, a ride down narrative street here that Matt Nagy is going to try to quote unquote protect his quarterback call a conservative game, not really run an up-tempo offense, keep it where, you know, they're basically trying to play keep away from the Browns. And of course, the Browns want to run the ball and play slow as it is anyway. So under 46 for me also in this game. Cardinals and the Jaguars, also a game that Steven and I both have a play on here. Uh, Brad, since you don't have a play, let's start with you. Cardinals, when a when a nail biter last week, uh, the offense, like we said, looks like it's going to be as good as we as as we expected. They actually got AJ Green involved in the offense last week as well. Rondell Moore gets really really involved because uh, DeAndre Hopkins was getting shadowed, and there's enough weapons on this team to where okay, shadow DeAndre Hopkins. We have other guys that we can score, go and score points with, and that's what the Cardinals did. Jags look like one of the if not the worst teams in all of the NFL through the first two weeks of the season. This thing is sitting on seven. It has moved to seven and a half at the majority of the books. The uh, last one, DraftKings, is still sitting at seven, but uh, FanDuel, MGM, PointsBet, et cetera, all up to seven and a half in favor of the Cardinals, a total of 51 and a half. Yeah, tricky one for me. No play. This, the thing I thought perhaps was worth a look was potentially the over. So we know about the Cardinals' pace. We know they like to go no huddle. Um, they've been doing that for years now with Murray. And, and we, you know, we think they're probably like a top seven offense, which is what they were before Murray was injured last year, what they've been so far. And then the Jags, quite interesting. They were, They are the most pass-heavy team uh, in the league in situation neutral so far. And they're also um, in the top five in pace as well. Uh, and then the other thing they're doing, they've got Trevor Lawrence is second in the league in A-yards. So they're going pass heavy, they're going quickly and they're throwing downfield, um, which is, you know, three ingredients for an over, if you ask me. Um, so yeah, as I say, not a bet, but I thought we might have two quick, quick offenses throwing deep, which uh, we might like for DFS and, and the total. 
All right, Stephen, you and I both uh, simpatico here on this as well. Uh, Cardinals in a teaser down to one here. I love this play. Uh, I actually didn't put it in the sheet. I, I, I do have a play on the Cardinals at the flat seven as well. I think that the Jags might actually go down as the second worst team in the league this year. I do believe the Jets will probably go ahead and take that crown. Uh, now that they've gone to Davis Mills, maybe it's the Texans, but um they're going to be in that mix. And I believe this Cardinals team is probably one of the top eight teams in the league. And so when this, when you look at this, just a mismatch all around, as Brad mentioned, Cardinals operating no huddle over 40% of their snaps in week two. So they got back to what they really want to do. And that's play fast, make the other defenses tired, make the other defense tired, not give them a chance to substitute different things like that. And then you look on the other side of the ball for, um, on the other side of the ball with with Jacksonville, I mean, listen, Trevor Lawrence, five picks through two games so far. He's pro football focuses, lowest graded passer through the first two weeks of the season. And he's only behind Ben Roethlisberger in turnover worthy plays. And so um, I don't see that flipping. I think that there's a chance for him to get better over the course of the season. I don't see a drastic improvement here in the course of a week. So give me the Cardinals, especially the Cardinals in a teaser. I love it a ton. Gentlemen, I shall have my revenge on the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> after week two. I have a bet on Arizona minus seven. I have also teased them down below two here this week, using them on a couple of different teasers with the Carolina Panthers uh, and also the, the Buffalo Bills. So when Arizona has the ball this year, yards per play, uh, they're fourth in the league, Jacksonville 19th. And that was against Terod Taylor and Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. The PFF grades Arizona top six in pass and pass blocking. Jacksonville bottom five in pressure and coverage grade on their defense. The Jacksonville defense bottom seven in EPA per play. Then you go to the other side when Jacksonville has the ball. And, and Brad, I like all those things they're doing. They're being aggressive. They're throwing it a lot. They're letting Trevor Lawrence learn by fire. But at this point in the season, he's got to show it to me first because schematically they can do all those things. I like how aggressive they are, but he's got to show me he can execute it first before I start giving them some respect here. And he's been horrendous. I mean, yards per play play Jacksonville was 4.7 yards per play in the first half week one against Houston before they trailed 27 to seven and got some garbage time in the second half week two. Yes. Against a Vic Fangio defense, but 3.8 yards per play in that game. Trevor Lawrence 38th in passing grade through two weeks. Guys, there's only 32 teams in the league. He's 38th in the league in passing grade through two weeks. So this is, this is just a bad situation. He needs to show me that he can actually execute what the coaches want him to do first before I think about it. And now it's, a big step up in class from what they played the first two weeks against one of the top five elite offenses in the league. Brad, we talked about a little bit about this last week where we said, you know, look, if this Cardinals team actually has a defense, they could be trouble for just about anybody. Um, you look now through two weeks, small sample size. Don't get me wrong. Small, through two weeks, Cardinals 14th overall defense, according to pro football focus, sixth overall defense, according to DVOA. And I think a lot of this, you know, people just it was under the radar. But I think people looked at J.J. Watt and looked at that signing. And because he didn't have a ton of counting stats, they were like, ah, he's on the downside of his career. He can't do anything anymore. But J.J. Watt still still demands a lot of attention. And when he does that, that frees up guys like Chandler Jones. It frees up some of these other linebackers when they find when they do decide to blow blitz and stuff like that. And so um, if the Cardinals have found something on the defensive side of the ball, 
I think this could be a very, very interesting team throughout the course of the season. Yeah, agreed. And it, it does start up front, I think. Mm. Um, well, they're, they're kind of an interesting defense because they're not, they're kind of built inside out. They're built up, you know, they've, they've got the pass rushers, but then mm. they're, they've got good safeties and linebackers rather than corners. So, you know, I think that's probably where they're weak. And that's perhaps why Minnesota got to them a bit last week because they've got those good receivers. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem here. Um, you know, the Jacksonville center was on the injury report. So again, they, they should get good pressure here, you would think, um, and uh, potentially improve those defensive numbers. Let's talk a game that is very, very interesting from a spread standpoint, the Chargers and the Chiefs. Brad has a play on this one. Um, as we know, Chiefs coming off a shocking Shocking loss this past week where when you if you would have told me they were up 11 points with the ball at midfield with two minutes left in the third quarter and they would lose the game, I would have lost my house. I would have bet my home that they would have won that game up 11 points with the ball at midfield with two minutes left in the third quarter. That was not the case. They end up losing. Of course, the Chargers lose a heartbreaker to the Cowboys as well. Uh, Steven, I'll start here with you. Uh, This Chiefs defense, look, the offense is every bit as good as we expect. Chiefs defense has been absolutely atrocious so far through the first two games of the season. There is a little bit of injury concern on the Chargers side as well. Last week, they played without Chris Harris. The Joey, uh, Joey Bosa was banged up a little bit. So there's something we'll be monitoring there as well. This Chiefs defense might be 2018 bad for for them. I mean, they are in terms of success rate allowed in coming in through two weeks here, dead last in the league. Their opponents' offenses have a 59.2% success rate. EPA per play, the Chiefs are just you know bottom five in that area as well. And Brad, I know you got some other stats as well to reveal just just how bad this KC defense has been. So for me, I'm laying off this game, but. If anything, I might even take a stab on Chargers' money line considering how well-rounded this offense was. I actually think they got a little unlucky last week. Yeah, Brad, uh, yes. so you're uh, you're, you're going to take a piece of the Chargers here at six and a half. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so to back up what Stephen was saying there, you know, they're, they're, so they were through two weeks, the Chargers' uh, Chiefs' worst defense in the NFL. So their DVOA is minus 33%, so 33% worse than average. is twice as bad as the next worst team. Um, and like last week, you know, the, the Ravens have two bad tackles, right? You know, the, the, the Raiders shredded the Ravens' tackles, and the Chiefs had one QB hit last week. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to cause too much trouble for Justin Herbert. Um, there is some questions about the Chargers oh they put up 17 points against the Cowboys Um, I watched that game very closely because I had a a bet on it I was trading it on Betfair and I think the Chargers were incredibly hard done by they had two red zone turnovers they had two touchdowns taken off the board by penalties they had like a a negative 20 yard sack where Herbert got rid of the ball but the the refs blew up too early Um, I think Rob Pizzola tweeted this. He's watched the two Chargers games and like the amount of calls that have gone against the Chargers through two weeks, he's, he, you know, he said it, it looks like the someone in the league office has max bet their season win unders because <laughs> it, it is perplexing. So to me, they, they moved up and down the field easily. Like Herbert does stuff that, you know, I think only Mahomes can match really. <laughs> um, so I think that's a very, I think that's a very, very good offense. And I, I don't think it's far behind the Chiefs. 
Um, and then, so we've got a terrible Chiefs defense, and I think the Chargers defense is much, much better. Now, we do have to watch that injury report, as Stephen said. Uh, there are a lot of them on the injury report. Joey Bosa, Chris Harris, Derwin James. Like, if, if they're out, then I hate the bet I've made, and I'll yeah. try and get out of it. Um, and then, just finally, I think... If, if if they do all play, then the Chargers have long been the ideal matchup for Patrick Mahomes. Like if the, if the Ravens are the the good matchup for the Chiefs because because they blitz, you know they're they're easy to beat. That's what Mahomes wants. The Chargers are the opposite. They can rush four with Bosa, and then they'll play their their cover two zone behind it, cover threes, you know whatever, and just play zone, keep everything in front of them, make Mahomes do it ten times, and try and avoid Bosa ten times, um, and it, it slowed them down historically. So. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't think these two teams are that different, really. I, I would have made this about four-point spread uh, based on my power ratings. So uh, a plus six and a half, I think, is a good bet. Uh, pass rush win rate. Uh, these teams are on the polar opposite here. The Chargers are second in the NFL with pass rush win rate. The Chiefs are dead last. Run stop win rate. Uh, yeah, Chiefs dead last again in the league. So they are last in pass rush win rate. They're last in run stop win rate. Um, the other thing that's interesting to me about this as well, Stephen, I mean, uh, Brad, you just brought it up is the fact that the Ravens got out of what they typically do last week. They are the one of the most blitz heavy defenses under Wink Martindale that we've seen since he's been the defensive coordinator for this. They got destroyed and torched by Patrick Mahomes because they did that. And they only ended up blitzing like four times in that game last week. They just played and like you said, let him try to go underneath dink and dunk and stuff down the field. That's why Tyreek Hill got removed from the game. Tyreek Hill had no impact whatsoever on the game because if you're not playing Tyreek Hill man-to-man where he can just toast you down the field, then what he does is a little bit nullified, is a little bit is a little bit muted. And so I think the blueprint, now do I think Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes and them can figure it out and figure out how to get something? I do. But I think at least in the short term, the blueprint has been kind of put out there as to how to at least slow it down. You're never going to stop this offense, but at least slow it down. Try to make it to where they can't just march up and down the field in 25 seconds and things like that. And so uh, I'll be very interested to make sure make sure and see, because this might be something I get in end game here. If I see that the Chargers are doing that and the Chargers are kind of nullifying what the what the Chiefs want to do, this seems like a pretty good end game for me. And if they're not, then it seems like an end game on the Chiefs for me. Like So I, I can easily make an opinion here based on how they go about playing defense in this one. Uh, so that's how I'm going to be playing the uh, Chargers and the Chiefs. Washington football team at the Buffalo Bills. Brad also has a play on this game. This one is very, very interesting. So through two weeks, the Bills averaging just 4.8 yards per pass play. That is 30th in the NFL after being third in the NFL last year in uh, yards per pass play. Josh Allen has been pressured on 40.2% of his dropbacks. That's the seventh most in the NFL. And by the way, he is 35% passing on those where he has been pressured for 128 yards. And oh, what does Washington do? They blitz and get pressure. They blitz 37% of the time. It's the third highest rate in the league. They pressure. uh, They've gotten pressure on quarterbacks so far. The sixth highest rate. So, Brad, I assume you're kind of looking at these statistics and looking at, at, at that and saying, OK, look, maybe the Bills are a buy long term and maybe they figure some things out. But in this particular matchup with the amount of points I'm getting, it just seems like that's too big of a gap. 
Uh, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, as you laid out there, Josh Allen and his passing offense has not been good. So PFF has got him the, the fifth worst quarterback through two weeks. And, you know, I, I watched a lot of that Dolphins game last week, went back and watched it. And it's about as bad as you'll see a quarterback play and win 35 nothing, right? Like... He was. He, he looked like he did two years ago, kind of inaccurate, mm-hmm. kind of unsure what he was seeing, you know, holding onto the ball and then, and then getting pressured because of it. Um, so, I don't. There's. I mean, there's two things I think that could be going on. One is kind of this plexiglass principle that the analytics guys will talk about. You know, if you if you make a huge leap, you're more likely to come back down the next year to the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just just where just regression essentially. Right. Um, or there, or there's a chance that. You know the the league has figured out how to play him as well, like like they're talking about. You know, there's a, there's a way to play Mahomes or whatever. You know, is is this how a team's figured out how to play Josh Allen now? And I think if it is, if it's what the Steelers did week one, for example, that was that was rush four and play zone. Well, the the Washington football team have the horses up front to rush four and play zone. So, you know, I, I think they can keep them relatively in check and sort of, you know, keep them keep them nullified as we've seen so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other side, I think Taylor Heineke is, has shown he's competent, basically, isn't he? Um, you know, 20th in PFF grade. So, so much better than Josh Allen so far this season. Um, but yeah, that, that they can move the ball. And I think as as eight point underdogs, eight and a half point underdogs, um, you know that, that's good enough for me. Um, so yeah, back to back to Washington football team. A lot of people have uh, a lot of people agreed with you actually. Uh, over at FanDuel, this thing has fallen all the way to the flat seven. So this thing is all the way down to a touchdown um, at FanDuel right now. Forty five and a half, forty six the total here steven you and i don't have um a, a bet oh actually you did go ahead and partner this up with a teaser leg i did i, I teased this with the panthers on thursday night uh, i'm also going to tease it uh with the arizona cardinals i do share your concerns for josh allen and i do see the regression from a year ago i i also though still think they win this game maybe by not what this big spread is mm-hmm. but uh, I my concerns are also with the Washington football defense, which a lot of us expected to be one of the better units in the league coming into the season and through two weeks have left a lot to be desired. This is a team that is middle of the road in success rate, uh, middle of the road in EPA per play. And what stood out to me is they, they're 29th through two weeks in QB knockdown percentage, despite having the second most blitzes in the league. On top of that, they're 30th in coverage grade from PFF. So uh, they're they're sending extra men to try and get pressure, but have one of the lowest knockdown rates in the league. That's a bad combination. That's also going to leave your back end uh, vulnerable. So, and these were these were numbers also included a game on a short week against Daniel Jones. So they made Daniel Jones look fantastic on Thursday night last week. So uh, I still have faith in the Bills to win this game. Um, so that, that's why I think they're a good teaser leg and also going back to the teaser leg best practices, right? I mean, this is a fairly low over under. So the more points you buy in a, in a total, then the more valuable they are. So I think this sets up pretty nicely. I still have confidence that the bills win this game at home. Yeah. It, it, weirdly enough, I actually like 
both of y'all's bets. I think the eight and a half with Washington is a good bet. And I think that the, the one and a half with the Bills, I think that, that it could easily fall somewhere right in there. Something's got to give here because the deal with Josh Allen is he's been pretty horrible on downfield throws this year as well. Four of 17, by the way, that's 23%. If you're wondering on throws of 15 more, or 15 yards or more down the field, that's the lowest rate in the league <laughs> through two weeks. He was actually up at 48.5% last year. Again, that's, that was a huge leap forward for Josh Allen last year. And so maybe there is a little bit of, uh, of regression setting in here. That being said, to Steven's point with the Washington defense, they've allowed opponents to score on 61% of possessions so far this year, which is the highest rate in the league. Not good, Bob, but you know, for a defense that's supposed to be uh, one of the better in the league. So yeah, something's got to give here. Like they've, they've got to play better defense. Josh Allen's got to throw, you know, better deep balls. He's got to handle being pressured more. So this is a very fascinating game to me, but one that I am going to sit out. Colts at the Titans. None of us have any bets on this one, so we'll make this one short and sweet. My quick and dirty here is, look, likely to get a backup quarterback for the Colts, maybe even two backup quarterbacks for the Colts. <laughs> so we're, getting, we're getting word here that it could be Eason and uh, Hundley that could be going for them. The Titans, kind of a Jek- Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, j- don't really know what you're going to get from them right now. It's a really bad defense on the Titans side, but maybe they're figuring some stuff out on the offensive side after they come back and get that win last week against uh, – uh, against Seattle. So for me, pretty easy pass um, just considering the the situation here. Brad, you don't have a bet either. I assume it was just a lot of unknowns for you and this one didn't feel like there was much of an edge. do like, and I probably will be betting, is first quarter. Um, so my Eric Eager over at PFF, mm-hmm. they uh, they collect data on EPA on scripts. So, you know, how well the first 15 plays went for the offenses. Um, and obviously, Frank Reich has historically been, he's been one of the very best with the Colts. Um, <laughs> every single week, there appears mm-hmm. to just go down the field on the first drive. And I, I think it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. Um, and then through two weeks, the Titans are far and away the worst offense in the league on the on scripted plays. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've spoken about our concerns about uh, Todd Downing, the OC. So I think you can get you can get Colts plus two and a half first quarter. Um, and I think that might be quite a fruity bet. Yep, that is definitely an interesting one. I'll have to look in to that one. Steven, no bet for you either here. Um, you know, like we said, could be a backup quarterback, could be two backup quarterbacks for all we know. Um, and then the Titans just been really confusing here the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm content to just sit here on my plus money Titans uh, division futures from before the season. And But based on what Brad just said, I'd also be looking at maybe some Titans live uh, money line if they get closer to plus money there. Maybe this spreads a little high right now, but maybe you can get it under three live if the Colts get out to an early lead. So that's another route I would take as well. Um, one thing I do know, or at least believe, I don't think the Eagles are getting that first round pick for Carson Wentz playing the 80% of snaps or whatever it was this year. Yeah, there's no no doubt about that. Bengals at the Steelers. This is a very interesting game because we might not have Ben Roethlisberger. He is dealing with a pectoral injury in this one. I have a bet that is made on this. Um, And honestly, I don't really care whether Ben Roethlisberger plays or not. I feel pretty good about my position here. Um, What we've also seen from this Steelers team is I mentioned it, referenced it a little bit earlier in the pod, but Ben Roethlisberger, one of the worst graded quarterbacks through two weeks in the NFL. 
one of the absolute worst in completion per- in uh, in completion percentage, big time throws, all these different things. Everything that you can basically be either good or bad at, he is right there at the top of the list. And now he's going to be dealing with a pectoral issue to go along with all of that. I took the Bengals from four up to ten put them in a teaser paired up with the Panthers on Thursday night. Maybe by the time people are watching this or, or, or listening to this, I've already lost this bet. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully the Panthers take care of business on Thursday night um, and win by at least two points. But um, listen, I don't care if it's Ben Roethlisberger. I don't care if it's Mason Rudolph. I don't care if it's Dwayne Haskins. I don't care really anything. I actually probably prefer it to be Ben Roethlisberger, if we're being honest. Um, if this if this Steelers team can beat anybody by 11 points, then prove it to me. I'm willing to be proven wrong. And I think under the radar here, this Bengals defense has been sneaky good so far. I mean, they did go out and make a big acquisition in Trey Hendrickson, who has been really, really good for them. Number seven overall defense DVOA through two weeks and the Steelers pass offense is graded only above the Jets and Jags so far. That is how bad it has been. The rush offense, not any better. It's 30th overall. Najee Harris is only getting 3.2 yards per carry. Offensive line, 27th in pass block win rate, 31st in run block win rate. For me, it is just, uh, it, it seems to me like if you can beat, if you can beat me by 11 points, Ben Roethlisberger on a, with a, with a bum arm and a bum peck and a, everything else, a horrible play calling and bad offensive line play, then so be it. Steven, you don't have a play on this one, but what do you think here about Bengals Steelers right now? Uh, by the way, I should mention, I, um, by, by now I should mention this thing is down to three. It is no longer at four. So it is down to three, uh, in favor of the Steelers. I don't know if you heard that, but I'm going to play it again. A square, Betty. Kids, a square. I have this, I have a, I'm thinking about betting the, the Bengals here based on all these Steelers concerns, but I'm seeing every single person on social media wanting to back the Bengals now, including all these influencers in the sports betting world. <laughs> hey, you got to back the Bengals. The Steelers are banged up. Ben's got a, a peck injury. This feels like the public square underdog of the week, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, is, are we falling for a trap here? Because the Bengals looked horrendous last week, Matt. Like, are you, are you concerned that we're reading too much into the Steelers quarterback concerns because I got to be honest with you if Ben Roethlisberger's out of this game I actually might want to bet the Steelers I think they might might actually be an upgrade I was gonna say it could it could be a slight upgrade as far as the Bengals go I mean listen I'm gonna take that as an aberration as opposed to the norm I mean uh, Joe Burrow was in that game at the point at the time before he threw three consecutive intercept three three consecutive throws for interceptions had gone the longest streak in the NFL without throwing an interception and so it was it was one of those deals where I'm gonna take it as more of an aberration than the norm here and so I actually think this offense is pretty pretty good despite the fact the offensive line is terrible like they're they're man manufacturing ways for him to get out of his hands pretty quickly. He's got those massive weapons. And again, the defense is what I actually think is the key to this and keeping this thing relatively close because the defense is playing really, really well against what I consider to be maybe a bottom five offense in all of the NFL. So Brad, um, I don't know. Do you think it's square to back the Bengals this week or do you think uh, the Steelers get it right and figure things out? No, I, I would definitely be on your side. I think the Bengals are very interesting. Like We, we know they invested a lot in the defense with, mm-hmm. with Hendrickson, uh, DJ Reader up front, Larry Ogunjobi up front. So as, as you said, against that sort of 27th ranked offensive line, they, they should make hay. They should, they should continue the kind of numbers they put up so far and uh, you know, be up whoever is back there. 
Now, the other interesting thing to me was this Bengals offensive line, which has historically been the weakness. But some of the numbers so far this year suggest they've been better. So the Bengals as a team, seventh in pass block win rate, um, both the left and the right tackle are in the top 20. So mm-hmm. are they, Are they, they might have just made the leap. I, I don't know exactly what's happened there. I might have to check the PFF grades as well. Um, but if they're improving there, you know, the Bengals, the Bengals could be a very good team. Um, the question again is, is Steelers defensive injuries like late last week, you know, they suddenly scrapped Devin Bush. They scrapped, um, yeah. Jojo Hayden as well. TJ Watt also on the injury report. Like these guys are all worth monitoring because you know, the, the Steelers defense didn't look good at all last week, the week before it looked electric when everyone was healthy, but they, they've lost a lot of players. Tyson, Alawalau, whatever his name is, yeah. he, he's on IR. So I'm going to need to see who plays because, you know, I'm not sold the Bengals offensive line is fixed. But if, you know, if they're missing, if the Steelers are missing key defenders again, then I think the Bengals become very attractive. Yeah, like it was night and day last week, like you said, night and day. As soon as TJ Watt left the field and they already without Bush and already, yeah, it was it was night and day looking at that defense. I like the uh, Brad's attempt at Tyson's last name. I don't know that about it. You do it, Stephen. Alu, Alu, is that right? I don't know, oh. but like, if you take twenty minutes to pronounce someone's last name like you just did, then it's probably <laughs> like you know, like, like you're just like I don't know, is it Alu Alu? Like, come on, man! If it takes you that long to pronounce, we're just I like Brad's I like Brad's pronunciation. I'll just, much I'll just say this on this game: I have no interest in betting the number now. the The number for me to bet the Bengals has already come down past where I would want to. Um, I, I would say if, if this gets even lower, if somehow the public comes in and this, you know, and and this number somehow gets to two and a half, then that's that's when I would bet the Steelers. Uh, and for right now, if you do want to bet the Bengals, I would just rather bet them on the money line right now because of all the factors we just said potentially that working in their favor, I'd rather just take the shot and get the plus one sixty money on the money line. So, but again, I don't I don't have a play in this game, but that's kind of just how I see it in terms of value. So Saints at the Patriots here. This thing is very interesting as we have seen this line move pretty significantly. Um, It is still two and a half in favor of the Patriots at a couple of books. It's back up to three at a couple of books as well. One of the lower totals of the week at 42, 42 and a half, depending on where you look at it. I do have a bet on this one as well. Uh, Steven, you do make a note in here about the Saints team where, listen, it is, and, and a lot of this plays into to the, my handicap and the reason I made the bet that I made in this game, but this is a displaced team that hasn't been home in coming on two months now since the hurricane went through, practicing at a foreign practice field, going into foreign locker rooms, not having the comforts of you know their own houses and apartments and restaurants they like to go to and all the different things like that. Um, and, and so for me, it's not necessarily a handicap of this where I think that there's so much a big of a difference between the Saints and the Patriots as it is that the Saints are just in a really, really bad spot here. Yeah, just these are still human beings that we're talking about. And and logistically, this is a very difficult situation. This will be the third straight week now when where they are away from home and having to deal with all this. They had what looked like half of their coaching staff with a covid outbreak a week ago. They were dealing with that as well. 
Um, basically everything that could have broken their way week one against the Packers did with a lot of things that were we didn't think were sustainable. And that in fact, they weren't against the Carolina Panthers. So against a very well coached team in the New England Patriots that knows what it's going to do and is going to execute. I just have concerns here, uh, especially if this number uh, is the slip under a field goal, which it looks like it has in some places, the Saints plus two and a half. Yeah, so Brad, I took the Patriots at two and a half. Um, like I said, it, it it dipped to two and a half here in Vegas. It's back up to three at most places. There is two. There are two and a halfs available in the rest of the country. So if you're in one of the jurisdictions that has all these different books, by all means, look around. If you wanted to bet the Patriots, there is a two and a half still available. There are threes if you want to go with the Saints. Uh, am, am I making too much of this whole thing of them not being home and not being able to, to get in any sort of rhythm, any sort of comfort zone? Like I said, I don't necessarily think that it's a deal that the Saints are that much worse than the Patriots are and I understand it's still a rookie quarterback in um, in Mac Jones is going to be starting for the Patriots but we saw what Bill Belichick did to Zach Wilson and now he's getting Jameis Winston coming off of one of his bad Jameis games yet again I don't know it just seems to me like if I could get under a field goal with the Patriots I went ahead and jumped on it yeah I I, I don't know to be honest is the answer like they got six first downs last week which is the same as the Broncos got when they had that wide receiver playing uh, playing quarterback you know like yes it's an all-time bad game all-time bad game from from the Saints now is that is that the travel stuff that you're talking about is that not having any offensive coaches like so something's gone horribly wrong and I, I don't know whether to go ah look they didn't have any coaches they had a bad travel spot and forget about it or go, this is catching up with them. They're crap. Um, so I don't really know. They were missing. They're getting healthier on defense. They're going to have Lattimore, CJ Gardner, Johnson back. Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, whatever his name is. They're, they're getting a few keys back in the secondary. Um, but I think they're still going to be missing the center, Eric McCoy. Now, again, if you watch that tape back against the Panthers, there was free blitzers all over the place. And I, you know, they were talking about we didn't have communication to pick up these blitzers and Belichick's going to have watched that and I would imagine they'll get a lot of the same. So, yeah, I, I could probably see the Saints struggling again, but um, again, a lot of uncertainty. Falcons at the Giants. Uh, this is one I will be monitoring heavily. Brad already has a bet on this one. Steven already has a bet on this one. I would be on their side. I just am feeling a little greedy, boys. I understand as to uh, as to what's going on here. Brad, let's start with you. Uh, this is sitting currently three right now in favor of the Giants at home. There is a two and a half at MGM. So this has moved off of the three at MGM, um, so two and a half in favor of the Giants. A total of 47, 47 and a half. You are on two different things here. You like the Falcons and you like the over. Yeah, and, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've come round to the over. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got two similar teams where they're pretty weak up front, but they've got nice weaponry, right? So if we just start with the Falcons quick. The last two weeks, they have been battered in the trenches, but you know they've gone up against two top five defensive lines. They've gone up against the Eagles who battered them. They've gone up against the Bucks who didn't batter them quite as much. All right. But now they're going up against a Giants team, which doesn't really have a pass rush. Um, I think they're 22nd in pass rush win rate. So Matt Ryan should have time here. Um, and I think they're going to suddenly look a lot better than they have the last two weeks, you know, where he had rushes in his face the whole time. Um, suddenly he's going to have time to throw it downfield to Ridley, find his uh, top five tight end, Carl Pitts. Um, so I think they move the ball nicely um 
But then, again, the, the reason I've come around to the over is I think the Giants are kind of the same, right? The, the weakness is the offensive line, but the um, the Falcons are even worse at pass rush than mm-hmm. the Giants are, 23rd pass rush win rate. Um, and then the, the Giants have all these superb weapons. It looks like they might have Evan Engram back, Darius Slayton, um, Sterling Shepard is elite, uh, Kenny Golladay's in there. So he's going to have time to just ping it all around the field. And Danny Dimes is second in PFF grade among quarterbacks through two weeks. That was so. probably the most shocking thing I saw of the week, to be honest with you. Like when I was looking at the the passing grades through two weeks behind only Tom Brady is Daniel Jones. I was pretty shocked at that as well. Yeah. So what I'm seeing is two sort of maybe above average quarterbacks um, who should have a lot of time to just spread it around to all these weapons on the field against, you know, two teams with no pass rush. So yeah, I, uh, I, I lean the Falcons way at the three um, and I, I like points to be scored. Steven, you are on the Falcons as well this week. Um, tell us what made you pull the trigger on them. You know, it's funny, Brad, I literally have come around to thinking about this game the same way. I have locked in a Falcons minus a plus three at minus 105. And the more I looked at it, the more I like the over as well. So the reason I do like the Falcons here, um, first of all, for the Giants, one of their big weapons, Kenny Galladay, is banged up this week. I just saw a report here on Thursday that he's not doing much in individual drills at this point in the practice week. So at best, he's going to be a limited participant. Um, I just, I'm not sure the giants should really be three point favorites against anybody. I mean, you, this is kind of looking at it in terms of the numbers, but you know, I don't think they are a point, point and a half, two points better than the Falcons. I mean, this giants defense 24th in, in yards per play allowed after facing Teddy Bridgewater and Taylor Heineke. So, uh, the Atlanta offense was brutal week one. You know, we all agree on that, but and they, they went from facing a, a pretty good Eagles defense to an elite Tampa defense in week two. And I thought looked a heck of a lot better. I thought they started to figure some stuff out. They were only down three points going into the fourth quarter before Matt Ryan completely imploded and threw two pick sixes. So you can't discount that, but this is not the Bucks defense he's facing this week. So, uh, but, but circling back to what Brad said, I mean, both of these defenses aren't very good. They're both bottom 11 in success rate allowed. They're both bottom 10 in EPA per play allowed. So I, I do like, and I am going to bet it, uh, here probably later today or tomorrow, I am going to bet the over in this game, uh, probably up to 48, probably won't go past that. Uh, but those are the reasons that I locked in a, an Atlanta plus three ticket. Yeah, it is. It's fairly interesting. I mean, the the pass block win rate for this uh, Falcons team down at 31st in the league, the uh, Giants are going to blitz. I mean, they have blitzed uh, at a pretty high rate, 25 times on 87 snaps, uh, 87 dropbacks so far. Uh, this year. So, I mean, there are there are definitely some some chances for them to to get at Matt Ryan yet again. So I don't know. It's interesting to me if a three and a half pops. I was waiting, uh, three and a half ha- was out there. And then I like went and I don't know what it was, m- poured myself a glass of water or something and came back. The three and a half was gone and it's never showed back up again. And so I, I think I missed my missed the boat here. So if three, three and a half does show back up, I would find myself on the 
on the Falcons as well here. I just believe that this team has more than they've shown here in the first couple of weeks. It is a new coaching staff. It is some stuff that you got to break in, you know, season one without Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley being the alpha there. Your number two is a rookie and a tight end who, by the way, did come around, had 77 yards last week as well. So there are some things I think that are trending in the right direction for the Falcons. Ravens at the Lions. This is one of the bigger spreads of the week that we are going to find. As we sit currently, the Ravens are sitting about eight and a half, um, eight, eight and a half. There are some seven and a halfs even starting to pop right now. So the money coming in on the Detroit Lions. Uh, I do not have a bet. Brad does not have a bet. But Steven, you have a bet on this game and you are going to back the Detroit football Lions. I might have to talk to a psychologist after this week because I made a bet that forced me to watch the Jaguars week two. And now I've made a bet that forces me to watch the Lions week three. So here, here goes nothing. But I, I want to mention uh, a great note here from our brand new lead writer, Eli Hershkovich over at the Lions. He also likes the Lions plus nine. Uh, first of all, he, he notes a lot of injuries for the Ravens. Jimmy Smith with an ankle at corner defensive end, Derek Wolf back in a hip. Brandon Williams with a back safety, Deshaun Elliott. It's got a concussion. So they're all questionable coming into this week. We'll see how that plays out come Sunday. Baltimore's defense, 31st in yards per play allowed through two weeks. And the Lions offense against the pass has been pretty good. I mean, sixth highest EPA per drop back. Uh, the Lion, uh, let me correct myself there. The, the Ravens against the pass have allowed the sixth highest EPA per drop back. And the Lions offense is middle of the pack and drop back success rate. So the Lions have been functional, at least on offense here with Jared Goff. Uh, despite a couple of mistakes against the Green Bay Packers last week. So for me, I think nine is just a little too high. I look at this more big picture and, and look at this as a number grab. This line is telling us that Baltimore and the 49ers should be rated equally, which I fundamentally disagree with. Uh, and, and they're telling us that a fully healthy 49ers team from week one should be graded equally as the banged up Ravens are right now which I fundamentally disagree with. So um, I just think this Lions team doesn't have any quit in them. I think they've bought into what Dan Campbell's doing. They are first in the NFL in second half pace. They are fourth when trailing by seven plus. So if they get behind, that's a good quality to have to try and play catch up and cover a spread. Uh, so so we'll see how it goes. But um, th that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And that's how our new lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, is looking at it. Brad, I'm not involved with this and you're not involved with this. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. This was this game, I think, has the largest range of outcomes for me, which is why I'm not going to get involved with it. I don't get involved in games where I feel like there's a, a really massive range of outcomes here. And like it would not surprise me if we're recapping this and we're talking about this next week and the Ravens won by 17 or won by, you know, 21 or 23 or whatever it might be. And then it wouldn't surprise me at all as if this Lions team just kind of naggingly hung on annoyingly hung on if you were holding a uh, Ravens ticket for sure uh, I think there's just enough talent on the Lions offense for them to get some of these weird backdoor covers in these situations and stuff so just not a play for me but uh, your quick thoughts here on Ravens and Lions um, yeah I, I don't really have much of a feel at all I, I, I don't really think the Ravens are very good um, like they're 24th in, in partial rush win rate. They're not really getting to the quarterback unless they blitz. Um, obviously, they're banged up in the secondary as Stephen went through. But, you know, I also think the Lions have got 
no talent to take advantage of any yeah. of these kind of you know flaws in the Ravens and I think Lamar Jackson's just the best player on the field so they'll probably win it there might, might be a flat spot after that huge win over the Chiefs so again maybe a slight edge to the Lions but yeah I, I don't know really yeah it was just a it was when I saw the Packers run all over the the Lions and had no problem moving the ball on the ground and now insert the Ravens they should be able to just do whatever they want to on the ground so that's why it was a stay away for me Dolphins at the Raiders so here we are with a backup quarterback for the Dolphins it's going to be Jacoby Brissett and then we're going to get a banged up quarterback in Derek Carr though it looks like he is going to be able to go I am off this game we're actually off this game across the board here Brad um, for me just a lot of uncertainty, right? Like it's a backup quarterback for the Dolphins. It's a banged up Derek Carr. It doesn't look like they're going to have Josh Jacobs. Like there's there's a, a mash unit of the offensive line for the Raiders as well right now, even though I think they probably should win the game. The Dolphins get back Will Fuller. Does that add anything to this team? Lots and lots and lots of uncertainties on both sides of the ball for me. And so again, that makes a game like this a pass. Yeah, the, I've not bet it, but the, I was potentially looking at the under. So mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett gets the start, as you say. Now, he, he's averaging 2.93 seconds to throw for his career, um, which is about half a second longer than Tua. Um, now, that's okay when you're playing for the 2018 Colts and you've got Frank Reich scheming mm-hmm. people open and you've got a great offensive line. <laughs> But you do not have a great offensive line. Dolphins 28th pass block win rate as an offensive line. Um, and the Raiders, you know, again, this is another team a bit like the Bengals that they, they've been a bit mercenary, brought in some free agents, but they have improved. So they're, mm-hmm. they're fourth in pressure rate, this Raiders defense. And, it, you know, it's because they've paid two bad offensive lines in the Steelers and the Ravens. But they've got another bad offensive line here and they've shown that right. they can they can win against that, right? So I, I do think it's, it's a bad day out for the Dolphins offense. Um and on the other side of the ball, I still don't think this Raiders offensive line is very good. They're 21st in pass block win rate. Um, so maybe the Dolphins can, can throw some stuff at them with uh, Derek Carr a little bit banged up. So as I say, no, no play yet, but looking at under 45 or so. Yeah, so there is 145 left out there, 44 and a half. Now this thing's even down to 44 at DraftKings, Steven. So it looks like people are feeling the same thing that Brad is on this game four and a half seems to be the prevailing number. Now it has moved in favor of the Raiders. Um, Listen, I, we have a very small sample size of Tua. I don't know if going from Tua to Brissett is a really big drop off here. So I don't really, I don't really know here. That's why this game just has me so incredibly confused. Matt, am I remembering this correctly that earlier this week, this spread got as high as five, five and a half for the Raiders? Or am I mixing that up with another game? Do you remember that too? I don't think it got that high, but maybe, maybe it did. Well, I'm looking, uh, I, oh no, there was a, there was a, there was a five and a half on the 19th. So I guess that would have been the opener kind of, and okay. then it went immediately from five and a half to five, then down to four. And then now we're back up to four and a half. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that I mean, I think the market agrees here that going from Tua to Jacoby Percet isn't all that big of a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially a banged up Tua. Uh, This number hasn't moved very much. So um, it's been around, you know, four, four and a half for the Raiders. It's kind of settled on there. So. 
Um, not much of an opinion for me in this game. I just thought that was interesting, but I will just note that it looks like across some books here, you know, there is lopsided action on the Raiders. So I think after their successful first couple of weeks, this is going to be one of those games that has a, a lot of public money on it, I think. Jets at the Broncos. This is uh, not one that we're incredibly involved in. I will say, though, I do have some interest in the Broncos, specifically in game in this one. Um, Listen, this is sitting 10 and a half or 11 right now. The total is absurdly low at 41 and a half. This Jets offense looks absolutely atrocious. Zach Wilson's getting thrown to the wolves here. The offensive line can't protect him at all. He's panicking, throwing bad picks. I mean, everything that could be going wrong going wrong for this Jets team. And then on the flip side, just about everything that could be going right for the Broncos has gone right for the Broncos. I mean, listen, Teddy Bridgewater, not really lighting the world on fire, but hey, number 10 overall ranked passer, according to Pro Football Focus, through the first couple of weeks. This is a team that I think, I don't know necessarily is out, is overperforming. I mean, it is the number eight overall team in the NFL According to uh, according to the defensive metrics, so these the talent on the on the Broncos on the defensive side of the ball that we thought they were going to have coming into this year has played that way so far. And yes, they did lose Bradley Chubb for a little bit here, but they're still pretty deep at corner. They're still got Von Miller. I think they could cause some real, real, real disruption here, Stephen, for the Jets. I think the numbers just a tad, a little bit out of my comfort zone. That being said. It is Broncos or nothing for me, and it would not surprise me if when all is said and done, they end up covering this spread and cover it massively. Yeah, I think the only way you play the Jets here is if you look at things in terms of sports betting as as just the market and the number getting too high. But for me, I, I'm trying at this point to take into account how an offense has performed as opposed to just looking at numbers blindly. And on the flip side, I have been really uh, encouraged by the way the Broncos have used Teddy Bridgewater and his willingness to throw the ball downfield more this mm-hmm. season than what he has in previous years. That's always been the knock on Teddy, that he's been too conservative of a quarterback. Uh, he had never attempted more than 12% of his passes 20 yards downfield before this year, but through two games, he has an 18.6% deep ball rate. So uh, I like the way that he is functioning in this offense, and I do think that the Broncos have benefited from a bit of a soft schedule here early on, and we'll see how they do against tougher opponents, especially in their division. But they are certainly showing that they are not only competent and efficient, but being aggressive as well. Brad, the Denver Broncos, your number four graded offense through two weeks, according to Pro Football Focus, behind only the Bucks, Rams and Browns. You are going to find the Denver Broncos, um, like I said, the defense as well. Seventh overall according to Pro Football Focus, whenever you take a look at this. And then if you look at their DVOA numbers, pretty good as well. The 10th pass DVOA um, defense, the eighth run defense DVOA. So they're preventing their opponents from really getting things done on the offensive side of the ball. Are you buying in to this early season success of this Broncos team? Or do you think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors? 
Um, no, I think it's a very, very good football team. Um, I like there's there's not an obvious weakness at the minute. Um, you would have said before the season the offensive line perhaps, but they're they're sixth in pass block win rate. Um, you know that you, maybe you worry about them losing Judy, but they've they've got fan they've got Cortland Sutton who's got three hundred air yards on the season. Um, right. You know they've got Teddy at the second highest depth of target in the NFL. Um, I think they're doing everything right. You know, they're slightly banged up in uh, on the defense this week, missing Jerry Jewell, the, the linebacker. Um, yeah, Bradley Chubb, as you said, and uh, Ronald Darby, the corner. But again, I don't, think, I don't think the Jets and Zach Wilson are the team to take advantage of it. So I've not laid the 10 and a half, but that, that would be the only way I could go because I think the Broncos are for real. Yeah, like I said, I am I am really, really hoping that in, you know, you have to be willing to just not be able to make the bet. Sometimes I'm really, really hoping the Jets win the toss. The Jets go down and get a field goal or something and then I can get this thing under double digits and then I'll come in on the Broncos then live. So looking live at the Jets and Broncos for me. Premier game of the week, the Bucks at the Rams. This thing has toggled. This thing has flipped. This thing has flopped. I've got a bet. Steven's got a bet. I'm sure Brad has thoughts. We are sitting right now. As we are recording this on Thursday afternoon, the Bucks have moved to point and a half favorites in this game. A total of 55 or 55 and a half. This opened with the Rams, at least one book here in Vegas, Rams is two-point favorites. That immediately went to a point and a half, immediately went to one after that. And now we have the full flip of the Bucks being favorites in this game. Um, Brad, you don't have a play on this one, but this is one of the premier games of the season. If we're talking about regular season games here, two teams that a lot of people have high hopes for, two teams that might end up seeing each other again deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who opened the Bucks as underdogs here because you know right. home field and home field and the advantage home field advantage in the NFL this year has been basically nothing today. I think it's been I think away teams have scored more points, um, and it, especially in this SoFi Stadium, you know it's, it's quite corporate, it's brand new. It's not like there's going to be a, a rabid fan base here. So I, th- you know, I, I think it's pretty clear the Bucks are the best team in the NFL. Well, they've won 12 straight, scoring 30 or more points, like an NFL record. Um, PFF has got Brady, the best quarterback in the league. You know, they're running more motion, more play action this year. Um, and then the defense, you know, perhaps it looks like a weakness. It's um, it's 19th in EPA allowed. But if you actually look at success rate allowed, um, they're, they're fifth, they're the top five in the, def- the defense. So, they're good too, right? Right. Um, and then I would say the Rams' defense. We mentioned this last week. You know, I do. I do think the Rams' offense is good. Maybe not quite as good as the Bucks still. Um, and I think the Rams' defense is worse than the Bucks' defense. Um, you know, we spoke about a, a brain drain. Brandon Staley leaving, coordinators leaving, um, key pieces of the secondary leaving. Um, and they are the Rams are nineteenth in early down success rate allowed. So they face Carson Wentz and Andy Dalton, and they're still below average. So that, that to me suggests a bit of a weak point, um, and that's that's not what you want going up against Brady and Co. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I would. I thought it was a gift for me to get this uh, to get this this Bucks uh, Bucks team up to a. Uh, up to a seven and a half point dog. I mean, that was just a, that was just a gift for me to uh, move that point and a half up to seven and a half. Uh, I have this tied into every other teaser leg I've talked about this week. Uh, Bucks at seven and a half under point underdogs 
I'm looking at a team here that is the the most complete team in the NFL. Now, how much you weigh this whole Antonio Brown thing, him being out due to COVID or at least has a chance to be out due to COVID. Listen, I think that having him as a potential weapon, having him is better than not having him, of course, but you're still looking at Mike Evans. You're still looking at Chris Goblin. You're still looking at Gronk. You still have other wide receivers that you can plug in there. So I'm not incredibly worried about it if Antonio Brown's not able to go. Steven, you um, you are just straight up on the Bucks money line here. Just go ahead, give you the Bucks to win this game outright. Yeah, I I made that bet on Tuesday when I could get Bucks minus one hundred five on the money mm-hmm. line. It's it's a lot more juice now, so I would be okay just laying the the minus one, the minus one and a half on the Bucks. Um, anything above two, I'd probably stop. Uh, but I'm with you guys. I think the market just misrated these two teams as equals when the market opened. I don't see them as equals, although I think the Rams are improved at quarterback and we've seen the upside of their offense. But uh, I do think that we have concerns with the Rams defense through two weeks. Uh, another note here from our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, Los Angeles has surrendered the 10th highest success rate in the league on defense, despite having the number five in EPA per play in uh, that's just in in his estimation, the Rams getting a little lucky in the red zone. The Colts only scored on one of four red zone trips last week, so they didn't score as many points. So that helped their EPA stat, but they are giving up a lot of yardage and offenses have been able to move on their Rams defense fairly well. Now they face Tom Brady, the number one graded quarterback by PFF through two weeks, nine touchdowns, two picks. One of those was a Hail Mary. So Tom Brady's going to find your weakness, right? I mean, and to me, it might be the new cornerback, David Long Jr. He improved in a small sample this year, but he had a 144 passer rating allowed a year ago. The Rams lost Troy Hill at corner. They lost John Johnson at safety in the offseason. And maybe most importantly, they lost their defensive coordinator, Brandon and Staley, who's now the head coach of the Chargers. So uh, they're trying to figure it out a little bit here on defense. And and Tom Brady's going to figure you out real quick if you don't have yourselves figured out. Uh, Brad, one thing we'll move on here. The other thing is, is if you look at this Rams team, and again, this is a team that I've, I've got futures on, I'm super high on, you know, and I think that maybe over the course of the season, they get a little bit better. But right now, I'm not going to say the offense is one dimensional, but it's basically Stafford to cup, Stafford to cup, Stafford to cup, Stafford to cup. And you have to think the Bucks are are savvy enough and smart enough and have the playmakers enough uh, to to at least you're not going to shut it down, but at least limit that. Right. I mean, they're pretty creative in the way they'll, they'll line up Cooper Cup in all kinds of different formations. We saw him catch a touchdown out of the backfield this past week and everything. So they're they're certainly manufacturing ways to get him the ball. But. Robert Woods has not been very consistent. A couple of drops already this year. It doesn't look like any of the other wide receivers are really ready to step up for primetime quite yet. So it's kind of like, I'm not going to say the key to this is neutralize cup and you win the game, but I will say neutralize cup and you're probably going to win the game. Yeah. And Todd Bowles is a bit like, um, he feels a bit like the Chiefs, but for defense, where mm-hmm. he saves the good plays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I wonder if we get the good blitzes, the good coverages this week. Um, because, as you say, if, if they take Cup out of the game, are you worried about Van Jefferson beating you one on one? You know, the, the Bucks are deep at corner, albeit with a couple of injuries, but, you know, still deep in the secondary. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll take those matchups all day long. Like, yeah, if, you, if Van Jefferson can beat us, have at it. Yeah, really do like the Bucks in this scenario here. 
Seahawks at the Vikings. Vikings are a couple of plays away from being 2-0. Instead, they find themselves 0-2. The Seahawks blow a big lead to the Titans, and now they find themselves at 1-1. Brad, uh, you got a bet on this one, and you're back in the Seahawks? Um, no, I've not got that on this one. Oh, Sorry. this is, this uh, is yeah. Steven. Steven, you've got a bet on this one. Yeah, let Russ cook, man. He's number one in yards per play through two weeks against the Colts and the Titans. Minnesota's 26th in yards per play allowed, and they face the Bengals in one of those weeks. Uh, on the other side, Minnesota's offense, just middle of the road in yards per play. In Seattle, also, their defense middle of the road, so fairly even matchup there. I just think Seattle's defense was gassed at the end of last week when they, when they blew that lead against the Titans. They were on the field for 42 minutes of that game. It was mm-hmm. plus. 20 minutes in time of possession. Seattle defense had to play 83 plays, um, 10 Seattle penalties in that game for 100 yards. So I think this line would have been over a field goal if Seattle would have won that game last week against the Titans. So I, I acknowledge that Minnesota's coming home and playing at home this week, but I'm happy to take the discount here after Seattle couldn't close it out last week and get less than a field goal on the Seahawks. Brad, I don't have a bet. You don't have a bet. I don't like either one of these teams as a, as the whole makeup right now. Um, you know, Vikings offense great, but defense is is kind of garbage so far. Same deal with the Seahawks. Can't protect a lead. You have this que- like questionable play calling stuff. So for me, I'll sit back. I'll watch it. See if I can glean anything from this thing. But how are you viewing this Seahawks and Vikings game? Um, would definitely lean towards the Seahawks way. Uh, as you say, they, they, they are kind of similar teams, but I think the Seahawks are just a much better version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we kind of got tricked week one. The Seahawks had a, you know, a casual win, which they never do. We right. thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's different. You know, maybe this new OC has, has changed the way they do things. Um, then turns out it's not different. They just <laughs> did what they usually do last week. It's like they stopped playing. Like yeah, they, I saw I stat, they haven't, they haven't scored a point in the third quarter. It's like they, they scored 28 in the first half and just go, no, we're really good at this and we'll, we'll deal with this next week then um, but, but you would think the Vikings would be able to come back on them um, but yeah I, I just think if it, if it comes down to who's going to win the game which is what this line suggests then I will take Russell Wilson over Kirk all day long total of 55 55 and a half in this one so I think the volatility has me off of even a thought of playing the Vikings in a teaser leg. Um, just a high scoring game that could end up being a shootout and there could be, you know, a weird pick six, a weird strip sack, whatever it might be. They kind of get it out of that teaser zone or something. So um not going to play the Vikings in a teaser leg, though. I do know a couple of sharp people who think that that is one that they're going to have in their portfolio this week. Sunday night football Packers at the Niners. The Packers rally and go ahead and prove that they are not one of the worst teams in the league. They go ahead and beat up on one of the teams. It was one of the worst teams in the league in the Lions. The Niners kind of get a gift win from the Eagles last week. I mean, the Eagles had several opportunities and just could not get anything done with all of that. Um, I have a play in this one. Steven has a play in this one. Brad, you're not on it, but man, this is a uh, this is either a this is either a prove it spot to me for the 49ers. Okay, prove it to me that you're actually good. Prove it to me that you can get it done. But I guess the same could be said about the Packers, right? It's like you slept walk through week one. It took you a half to get going against the Lions in in week two. So maybe it's kind of a prove it situation for both of these teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this total has been walloped upwards. I mean, they opened it 47 and a half. 
Um, it's tough for me to have a real strong opinion until we know the status of Elton Jenkins, um, Packers' best offensive lineman. You know, they've kicked him out to left tackle so far this year while Bakhtiari is on IR. Um, if he can't go, then I'm, I'm suddenly worried about this Packers O-line because they already had two rookies there. And then if you lose kind of your, your stalwart left tackle against this Niners O-line, which, is, which has got Bosa and co, Eric Armstead, if he's still there, um, then, then I am worried about them and I, I could not back the Packers. I would say the other side of the ball, I'm confident the Niners are going to score some points. Um, you know, like the Packers week one, obviously they got shredded by the Saints. And then we saw that the Saints might not be that good. Uh, and then right. the first half last week, I was watching that game. The lines are going up and down the field there until it starts to rain and Jared Goff's tiny hands can no longer hold the ball. And, you know, <laughs> he, he fumbles a couple of times. They, they don't convert and fourth down. But I would say it was concerning the way the Lions were moving the ball without even a number one receiver. Like, who was number one? Who was Quintus, Quintus Cephas? Yes, I think, yes, Quintus Cephas. One. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? And, you know, the, 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 the Packers, you know, we spoke last week, they've got a new DC who's never had, he's never run a good def- defense. And it looks like he's installing a new system and... They were confused, right? I think the, the touchdown Cifa scored, the two corners both took the, the in-breaking route and just left him on the out-breaking route. Um, so if you've got confused defenders, I think the, I think the last person you want to face is, is Carl Shanahan, um, you know, especially if, if you've also got a reputation of being soft against the run. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Niners do what they want against uh, against his Packers defense. Um, and as, as for the other side of the ball, I think we have to wait to see how... Uh, see what Elton Jenkins, whether he plays or not. Steven, you and I are uh, on the same side here in this one. You and I, um, I, I think we're, I, I, I played a number, right? I mean, I played a four here yeah. on the Packers. It was more than a field goal in a game where both teams dealing with some injuries. I'm still not completely sold on, um, uh, on this 49ers team. The other problem though, is the Packers are getting absolutely no pressure whatsoever and no sacks no anything on this defensive side of the ball Zedaria Smith being on the IR has really affected this team they're last in the NFL in sack percentage they've only got one on the season they're also tied for last in quarterback pressures they're 21st in pass rush win rate and then you got Garoppolo so it's kind of like one thing that they're bad at and then the Niners are good at Garoppolo's only been hit or sacked on three per 3.3% of his dropbacks so far this year that's the lowest rate in the league but If you look at Garoppolo's quote-unquote air quote here, success, 63.8% of his receiving yards, of his passing yards so far this season have been after the catch. His receivers have just been doing it. It's yak central, baby, for the 49ers. It's not really anything that Garoppolo is doing. Um, I'm just playing a more than, I'm just playing a number that a field goal is too much here in this one, in a game that I consider to be pretty much two even teams going at it. And um, listen, the Aaron Rodgers factor to me, I also think is pretty real. I think there was a point in that game against the Lions where maybe the flip, maybe the switch flipped a little bit where he was like, okay, now let's go and get this thing done. Um, Give me four points on the Packers, though, my least confident bet of the week for sure. I just feel these two teams are pretty even. I mean, I think they're, they're 
fairly even. I mean, and they're pretty close in, in my power ratings. Um, in our power rankings, we look at it through the lens of, of what they've actually done. So it's different. But for me, if I'm handicapping, I look at it a different way. There's kind of an old term in horse racing where you draw a line through a horse's race if it's just a complete anomaly versus what he's done in the rest of his other races. I mean, that was the Packers in week one. They just got the doors blown off of them. They weren't ready to play. To me, I don't care about that game. I'm just drawing a line through through it. Uh, I was, I, I liked what I saw from the Packers offense last week. They were disciplined. If, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the Peyton and Eli alternate broadcast from Monday night football, but Peyton Manning, the entire first half was pointing out how smart Aaron Rodgers was running the Packers offense because every time the lions had too deep safety, he just took that and ran the ball because they knew they had one less guy in the box. So he just took what they gave him the entire time. And then when they started edging those safeties closer and closer, that's when he started taking some shots. So I liked the improvement I saw from the Packers in week number two. And I think these are two defenses that are mismatched or or are at a disadvantage in this game against the opposing offenses, but they do it in different ways. Aaron Rodgers can move the ball much more aggressively through the air than Jimmy Garoppolo will, but the 49ers have a pretty strong offensive line that can run the ball at you and and a coach that can scheme you open. So uh, I do see a potential over here. Uh, I, I do think that the Eagles moved the ball fairly well against the 49ers last week. It just didn't show up on the scoreboard. They averaged six yards per play, just couldn't finish off drives. So given that I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched, uh, I like that I'm getting more than a field goal in this game for the Packers. Same with me. I, I Look, I, I played the number again, not incredibly confident in it, but um, give me more than a field goal against two teams that I think are, are pretty much even and I'll take it every time. Monday night football, Eagles at the Cowboys. Brad, I want to start with you here. It looks like um look like Steven does have a bet on this game. I don't have anything in either because listen, I was very disappointed in the Eagles last week. I mean, I thought the play calling was pretty shoddy. I thought that there was an opportunity there that they really, really blew. The 49ers didn't want to win that game, but the Eagles didn't want to take it from them. And um, seeing a performance like that gives me a little bit of pause, especially against a team like the Cowboys that does have a super high-powered offense that does that is going to take advantage of any opportunity that you give them whenever you don't capitalize on great field position or don't capitalize on getting into the red zone and things like that and so for me a uh, little bit of pause here I think if anything I would lean the Cowboys way but no bet in my account right now what say you uh no nor me no bet um I would say that the Eagles they what they had a 49 percent success rate in that Niners game gave up a 43 percent success rate so more often than not they do win it as you say probably some bad play calling in the red zone. You know, they had first and goal at the one and ran four plays like morons. Um, <laughs> I would say there's there seems to be a bit of buzz about the Cowboys improving, um, particularly on the defensive side. Um, but I would also say that they actually lead the league with six takeaways, which is why they look good on sort of EPA numbers. Mm. But uh, success rate wise, they're 28th in the NFL. Um, you know, we spoke about earlier about the Chargers just going up and down on the field and them and then pissing it away in various manners. Um, so I, I do think the Eagles can score some points here. Um, and the other side of the ball, again, it's tricky because I think the Cowboys are very good. You you would, one potential thing that could happen is 
Do they get fooled into thinking that they won the game last week because they ran the ball well? Um, mm. I think they had a 58% <laughs> success rate rushing the ball. Um, whereas the week before, obviously, they threw it all over the yard and lost the game. So you would you could hope that they uh, they try and run the ball again against this Eagles D-line, which is uh, what we would like. Um, but yeah, no bet for me. I, I definitely lean the Eagles way because I think the home field is probably half point to one point here. And I, I don't think the Cowboys are clearly better, as, as this line suggests. Steven, you do have a play on this one. You do go in and back the Eagles uh, uh, this week. What what gave you the impression that this team is going to be able to capitalize on some of these opportunities that they left on the field last week? I mean, I think I think that it was some pretty bad coaching decisions, though. I'm not ruling out that they can't identify that they made some bad decisions and try and fix yeah. that here in week three, because I do believe that. Overall, I have faith in this in this coaching staff. I do believe that said, I think this is a big week for me for what my view of this Eagles team is going to look like moving forward. So I'm actually a pretty I'm pretty interested spectator here come Monday night. I completely agree with you. I think this game is going to go a long way to showing us what we should think about this division. Uh, Both of these offenses through two weeks are top 10 in yards per play. But in terms of yards per play on defense, the Eagles are top three, Dallas 29th in yards per play allowed. So like Brad said, they have thrived off of forcing turnovers. They have six takeaways through two weeks, but the Eagles offense has been extremely disciplined. They have zero turnovers through two weeks. So uh, they they did not have great play calling in the red zone last week. That's what did them in. So, I mean, this Eagles D also is solid in success rate and EPA per play. Dallas is bottom 10 in success rate. So uh, to me, plus four was good. That's where I locked in the Eagles. So that's kind of how I feel. And, and, And Brad, I mean, personally, I would be shocked if Mike McCarthy, of all people, would be fooled into thinking something incorrect in terms of how they won that game last week. I mean, the guy is Mr. Analytics. I personally would be stunned. We're looking here. Um, it, it, they don't have to have a, a an injury report fully available um, for us quite yet because it was Monday night. But Amari Cooper was limited at practice uh, on Thursday. He's dealing with some sort of rib injury. Now, he's got an extra he's got some extra time to heal and recover, but certainly something we'll be keeping an eye on there as well. Randy Gregory, the defensive lineman that had to miss last week because of the COVID situation, he is expected to be available in week 3 versus the Eagles. So just a little bit of uh a little bit of injury news there. Of course, Lyle Collins will still be suspended for the Cowboys team in that one. We'll have a full written breakdown, full video breakdown of this game as we get closer to Monday as well. So be sure and uh, take a look there. Brad, I'm putting you on the spot here, buddy, but what is your favorite bet of the week? What bet are you, when you put it into your account, were you like, yes, I put that into my account? Uh, Chargers. As, as I say, I'm mm-hmm. you know making my own lines Monday morning. I thought it should be plus four. Um, so I, I think six and a half is great. Uh, Steven, what's your favorite bet of the week, my friend? Knock on wood. I really like the teaser options this week. I really do. Um, I know we're recording this Thursday, so Carolina is not going to apply to anybody who's, who's listening to this on the weekend. So I'll leave that out. Uh, but any combination, I think of Arizona, Buffalo and Cleveland, I feel pretty strongly about this week in terms of teaser legs. Uh, if if these numbers stand where they're at. For me, the ones that people can still make, 
Uh, a Browns Cardinals teaser for me is uh, I feel really, really confident in that. And I I really do like the under in that Bears Browns game. Rookie quarterback on the road, a conservative head coach as it is anyway, against a team in the Browns that wants to run first and has a really, really slow pace of play as it is. Um, really do like the under in that game as well. If you want to follow Brad on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL, if you want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M two, go ahead and take a look at all of our free stuff over at the lines and play picks and head over to the YouTube page. Just click on the big button there at the homepage of lines, subscribe over there as well. Everything we do is absolutely free for Brad for Steven. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia, 1-800-270-7117. For confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, and 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada.